Welcome to Welcome to the Uncharted Territories. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And we're here to discuss Farscape Season 3, Episode 12. Meltdown. So, I have been openly not a fan of the Scar John episodes. They've all felt really meandering and pointless and i haven't really cared for them up to this point but i really like this one yes so uh the scar joe episodes are the ones that take place on talon mm-hmm. for, for our listeners who are not aware and um yeah this episode was great and i think it's because everyone was coming in hot everyone was at an 11 yes everyone <laughs> was at an 11 this episode also minimal rigel which like it, it's See, when Stark was first introduced, he was one of my favorite characters, Mm -hmm. and I feel like we lost that as soon as they split the party, which also, don't split the party, come on, Right? Don't split- that's like- that's like dungeon crawling 101, don't split the party. So, like, and it probably doesn't help that Stark's mostly been paired with Rigel, which is a character dynamic that just straight up does not work. I yeah, mean, it, it, it causes Stark to be too cartoony. I, I don't like him when they make him too too much of a too much of a joke. I mean he shouldn't be a joke. He's a man who is a conduit to death, who has been like tortured by Scorpius. He has this like weird nihilistic cheerfulness sometimes, and then other times he just is like in the depths of it, and this episode lets him do all of that, but paired with Rigel, he's just, like, a clown. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I feel like most characters don't work well with Rigel. Rigel is the waystone around the neck of Farscape. I, uh, I realized when we were watching this episode that the analogy for me is that Rigel is, Rigel is to Farscape as Klaus is to American Dad. Yeah. Yeah. Except, you know... It feels weird because Meg becoming the punching bag of Family Guy is sort of... It's not exactly the turning point because the turning point for Family Guy is watching it when you're not 14 anymore. Mm-hmm. But when Meg became that show's butt monkey is kind of when it became unwatchable. When Klaus became American Dad's butt monkey, it was fine because you don't feel bad when bad things happen to Klaus. Well, because he's evil. Cause he, yeah, because he's evil. He's he's legitimately a bad person. And bad like, fish. A bad <laughs> fish. And also, the show kind of unpersoning him works when it's a character who's not a teenage girl. Yeah, yeah. That's... The cruelty of the way everybody treats Meg on Family Guy does, as you said, make it unwatchable. Yeah. Meanwhile, Klaus is a bad person who bad things happen to, so, yeah, you know. Yeah, it works. And he's a bad adult man whose misfortunes are of his own making. So I feel like every show kind of needs this character. I, I mean, hate I, Sink. I hate Sink. I mean, I don't know why shows need them. They all have them, though, right? Yeah, like, honestly, I've, I was never a big fan of the Jerry stuff from Parks and Rec. Well, but... I was going to bring up the way that the Jerry stuff doesn't just become torturous to watch is that we, the viewers, are aware that he actually has a better life than anyone else in the office. Like, he goes into the office and everybody hates on him and he's like, okay, I'm clocking out at five and going home to my hot wife. I mean, honestly, it's still kind of the weakest part of Parks and Rec for me. Like, I don't 
care for the Jerry bashing. It just feels like they're like, this show is too nice if we don't have them all constantly dumping on someone. Well, my, my point was, though, that you need to have something to balance that out. Also, Parks and Rec has this weird thing where all of the evil characters are Jewish, which I don't love. Oh, I thought you were going to talk about how fatphobic the show is. Oh, also that. there. There's lots of reasons why I kind of don't feel the urge to rewatch Parks and Rec that often. Well, I don't want to be too much of a downer before we even start talking about the Farscape episode, but um, the optimism that that show has in politics has made it unwatchable in recent years. That is true. The, it is a show that's very strongly like, look, there are good people working in the system to do good things, and eventually they will win out. And that's not how we have seen things play out over the past several years. Yeah. I'm sorry, we were talking about hate sync characters. Rigel is definitely one for this show, and that's why I feel like episodes tend to be better when he's barely involved in them. And, like, they realize that they don't have to have Rigel in the show, right? I mean, like, you killed off Zan, you can just not have Rigel in the show anymore. Uh, Rigel's gonna do one very, very important thing at the end of the show. Oh god, he makes it through to the end of the show? Oh yeah. Why? It's just, he's the worst, and it would be so easy to, you know, have him get back to his people, or die or something, and then, you know, another fish papa can show up with a slightly less irritating personality, and everything would be fine. Sorry, that's that's not where we're going. But Rigel, Rigel makes it through. Yep. <laughs> yep. Wow, when you put it like that. What do you mean he's a puppet? Not much can kill him. Meltdown! Meltdown. Honestly, from the plot synopsis, I thought I wouldn't like this. Uh, Talon's flying into a sun. Yes. Well, what it should have said was Talon is being drawn into a sun by a... Um, sun siren. By a siren who has effects on everyone else in the ship. Okay, so I also don't care for the... There's like a gas or something that's being released in the ship that's removing inhibitions or something but if that feels like such an unnecessary thing like if they just didn't mention oh there's a gas leak that's making everyone act weird i wouldn't think that anyone was acting weird this episode well that's because people aren't acting weird they're acting more themselves which i mean like it's barely noticeable like john and aaron are horny chris is a fascist <laughs> Stark is very, very... Stark's at an 11, but Stark's almost always at an 11, so it's like... And Rigel's eating a lot. Like, this didn't need to be gas-assisted. This could just be the episode. I'm sorry, I'm complaining so much for an episode that I do genuinely like a lot. I mean, basically, it's like everyone is themselves, but they've all taken one shot of tequila. Mm. It actually reminds me of one time, way, way, way back in the before times... When I was downtown and I was coming home from a party and I ran into someone I knew from work and I was just chatting with him and I was like, sorry, I'm coming back from a party. I'm a little, I'm a little inebriated right now. And he said, I thought you seemed more yourself than usual. And I was, I was like, that's amazing. I love that turn of phrase. I'm going to use it all the time now. So. In the episode itself. In the episode itself. So there's this weird opening bit where we see. Crace negotiating with Zalek soon, and he's like, I'll... Aaron's mom. Yes, I'm sorry, Aaron's mom. And he's like, I'll let you go. All I want is to be able to screw Aaron all day long. And then 
it's like a fake out. It cuts to him saying to John, is that what you think happened? Yes. Uh, it's Crace negotiating with Aaron's mom. He's like, instead of executing you, I'm going to let you go back to the peacekeepers and uh, you're going to you're going to have them make me a peacekeeper again. And I'm going to have sex with your daughter. And Zaladane is like, cool. Alex. <laughs> yes, not not Lorna Dane's evil sister. No, no. But uh, yeah, Aaron's mom is like, yeah, cool beans. I'll, I'll say, hey, Crace can be a peacekeeper again as long as he uh, he'll, he'll be a peacekeeper again. We'll kill everyone except for Aaron, who he'll get to bang all the time. And then it's it's a story John was. It's a theory John was putting out as to what happened when he left. Uh... Oh, I assumed that it was Crace sarcastically asking John, is that what you think happened? Oh, I assumed that Crace walked in on John, like, expositing <laughs> what he think happened. But anyway, it's a story John's telling and we cut to Crace being like, really, dude? Really? And John's like, I didn't see you shoot Aaron's mom. For all we know, she's still alive. <laughs> wink, wink, audience. Okay, I do have to say, though, I mean, I love this episode, too. And, and you know what? Maybe the ridiculousness of this is part of what I love about this episode. But I'm like, that is a goosebumps level fake out at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. And then and then a giant monster hand came out of the sewer and grabbed my foot and pulled me in. Next chapter. I mean, I tripped over my shoelace. Or, or more likely, more usually in goosebumps next chapter. And then I woke up in bed. Okay, credit to R.L. Stein. The dude wrote, like, 60 books. He published 60 first drafts. Like, I know, I know, those series was ghostwritten or whatever, but every... I, I didn't read Goosebumps growing up, but I have listened to a couple of Goosebumps podcasts because they're really interesting basis is for people to have conversations about stuff. I really, really enjoy um, Pop Arena's Goosebumps Monthly. Like, that's that's just a great pot. It's not a podcast. It's a YouTube series. It's just a great YouTube series. It's the soil from which good conversation grows. When Goosebumps was coming out, though, I was too old for Goosebumps. I actually read Fear Street, uh. R.L. Stein's teen horror series. See, I was scared of Goosebumps until I finally tried reading one, and then it was too stupid for me. I mean, I'm not looking down on anyone who enjoyed Goosebumps. It's just those books are so, so poorly written. Well, like you said, he published a bunch of first drafts. Yeah. No, I read The Fear Street, and then, of course, I I switched over to Christopher Pike, because his stuff is way... I don't know. Darker isn't the right word? Adult? Um, edgy. His stuff is more dark and edgy. Man, I'm sorry. I'm 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 flashing back to all of those teen horror books I read as a teen. God, I bet those don't exist anymore. I was thinking because I, I read a few like paperback teen thriller books when I was younger too, and I'm like, I bet those don't exist anymore. I bet I bet that's all just Wattpad stuff now. Oh, do you think that's true? I, I feel like the era of like cheap thriller paperback books for teens i feel like you can't sell those anymore just because of the internet no creepy pasta creepy pasta replace them huh and i'm willing to bet like it's there's just not a market for it which is disappointing because that was one of the fun things you know you'd go to goodwill and you'd buy a bunch of like really cheap books and well i mean they still have teen series like that but you're right i can't think of any that are horror series like you know pretty little liars and gossip girl and the click I mean, these are all teen romance series, though. I mean, they're thriller romance. People get murdered in Pretty Little Liars or whatever. I'm assuming. I've never seen it. but Yeah. 
I don't know, maybe Riverdale, but I, I'm talking about book-wise, book-wise. Everything I just listed started out as a book series. Oh, God, <laughs> duh. I'm sorry, it's just that... If you're a successful teen book series, though, you're going to get bought out now. And turned into a CW Riverdale ripoff. That's how it works. Even though, apparently, the CW has never made any money... <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We're so off topic. No, no, no. We had to bring it up. I mean, we'll talk. You know what? I think we need to get really in depth about this next week on our Charmed podcast, because that's the place where it's appropriate to do that. But we could not mention the CW has never turned a profit. What is happening? Which is ridiculous. How much Riverdale merch is there out there? How much Supernatural merch was there? How how have they never turned a profit? I, I don't know. It's like, have you ever walked into a Hot Topic? Are they selling all this stuff at cost? Like, Supernatural is on the air for, like, 40 years. Yes! Yes! And I, They I weren't just... spending that money on scripts. Sorry, that's mean to Supernatural. I only watched three seasons. I can't judge. But... I only watched three episodes. I was never a fan of Supernatural. Sorry. <laughs> you didn't even hit the racist truck, which is when most people give up on <laughs> season one. Oh my god. No, but seriously, like, how has the CW never... I just... We'll get into it next week. Yes. Tune in next week when we talk about Charmed, but also get into how has the CW never made a profit. Meltdown. So, yes. Aaron mentions that a retrieval squad is probably going to come after them again at some point, And John's all like, well, Crace is the one they want. Maybe he should give himself up. And Crace is like, um... They want talent, too, so... Also, all of you, did you forget that you're all criminals? Yeah, but nobody really wants them that much. I don't know, after the Shadow Depository thing, I have to imagine a bunch of people are honked off. Well, the Shadow Depository people want them, but that Shadow Depository people... Oh, I guess they could afford to hire the Peacekeepers to get them. Uh, also, I mean, it's obviously not the Peacekeepers, but the, uh, the Dragon people are probably pretty pissed at... You know, the whole look at the princess trilogy, what happened there. Oh, uh, yeah. With that free sebation calling. Uh, yeah, although that seems like a real local matter. Um, do we ever go back to that planet? Because I have a really hard time imagining that they weren't overrun by the... Uh... uh, We never return to the planet in this television series. There is a short story that was published in Farscape magazine where um John meets his daughter. So... Mm. But we can assume the Scarens didn't just wipe them out, because it seems like they pretty easily could have done that once things didn't go their way. I mean, they probably could have, but they also... I really don't think they cared enough. Mm. So... Anyway, uh, Talon is flying into a sun. Something is something is wrong with the ship. Hey guys, something's wrong with the ship, and it's flying directly into a sun. Which is bad. You don't want to do that. And Chris, who is, of course, connected to Talon, is, like, feeling the compulsion. He's like, we're trying not to, but we can't help it. So. Hey, y'all read Jason and the Argonauts? Yeah, yes. And or, in, or the Sebation version of Jason and the Argonauts. In fact, this is called a Siren Star, and I'm like, really? Because that's interesting. I bet it's like that thing where there's dragons in every culture. Like, there's probably a siren-esque myth on every planet, and the translator microbes just kind of took advantage of that. Although, uh, they're, they're pretty hit or miss with pop culture stuff. But at what point does pop culture deviate from just standard language? Because there are a lot of words that are just rooted in pop culture references that were lost over time. For example, Nimrod becoming a word meaning idiot started because Bugs Bunny sarcastically referred to uh, Elmer Fudd as Nimrod, Nimrod being the god of the hunt. 
and then a whole generation of kids didn't get the reference, so Nimrod became moron, and now it's just a regular word completely disassociated from its origin as the god of the hunt. So, are you saying that you think that translator microbes might have a problem with that? Yeah, I mean, I or apparently not when something gets normalized as part of a language, so why... But but then again, when John references like Yoda, no one gets what he's talking about because it's a nonsense word. At what point would that not just translate as wise teacher or whatever? Well, I mean, Yoda's a proper noun, so it makes sense that that doesn't translate. Nimrod was a uh, was a proper noun at one point. Okay, I'm I, I'm sorry. I just listeners, you must understand that Max consistently insists. That the Darmok episode of Star Trek where the communicators don't work on the, on that race because their language is completely pop culture references is ridiculous. And yet you sit here now I'm not saying, and make the exact argument. I'm not saying it's ridiculous. I'm saying that I hate it. It's completely plausible, but it's awful. Although I do like the character from that planet who shows up in Lower Decks. Yes. You know why? Because he made a goddamn effort to learn the language of someone else. Well, okay, to be fair, um, all contact with that race has failed repeatedly because of the inability to translate. So nobody, until Picard was like, oh, wait, maybe I just need to think about it for five goddamn seconds. Until Picard thought about it, um, there was no, there was no... Uh, commerce or, or, or interaction between that species and any other species. So. Oh no, but how is the universe going to get their supply of dank memes? <laughs> so I would have preferred if it was a Voyager episode, because then Janeway would have beamed down, had one conversation with the guy, and then blown up the planet. I've never seen Voyager, but I understand that Janeway just kills everyone all the time. Mm-hmm. And I kind of don't want to see Voyager because I prefer my image of, you know, Janeway as a bloodthirsty murderer who solves all of her problems with murder. Farscape. Farscape. So, uh, they're flying into the sun, which is bad news bears for everyone. We see one of Talon's DRDs, I think for the first time. I really like them. I love Talon's DRDs. Well, you know, the black and red is such a good color scheme. And they're kind of, they're boxier than Moya's. Moya's are more, honestly, Moya's are more uh, Roomba-y, but Talon's are kind of like toasters. (laughs) But they also have little fins in the back, like, uh, like on... Old cars, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I I really like the design of Talon's uh, DRDs. Yeah, me too. So, John and Aaron are trying to figure out, you know, what to do about Talon. They're they're in the the guts of Talon trying to... They're trying to repair some of the stuff that got burned out. John's like, uh, boy, you'd think Talon would be more advanced. And and, and Aaron's like, well, he's still really young. He's he's a baby! And he's still really injured from being attacked by the retrieval squad, but, you know, he's, he's growing. He'll get better, and he'll get bigger, assuming he doesn't fly into the sun. And, uh, you know, he'll be a big, dangerous boy. Now, and- the reason that this scene is important is because it's letting viewers who are not aware remember or realize that Talon is still growing, so that when we see Stark wandering around into a new area, we can understand that Talon has just grown a new chamber. He also hears someone calling him, and he thinks it's the ship calling to him. He's like, Talon? Is that you? And, uh, the closed captions totally spoil that it's not! Yeah, the closed captions say Mazer Berger Ver Ver Berger Ber, or whatever her name is. But, uh, 
<laughs> okay, so I I really really enjoy John and Eric's dynamic in this episode. I'm I'm I usually enjoy their thing, but that's one of the reasons I don't like that it's the whole this is gas assisted. But they've got so much chemistry here. And it starts with John pointing out, you know, you used to look down your nose at tech work and you've grown just so much since we first met. And she's like, yeah, I'm a completely different person now. I'm way more comfortable with all aspects of myself. And then she and John start dry humping right there on the floor. Yeah, they're like super, super flirting. And also Aaron is smiling like a genuinely happy smile. Like, I feel like we've never seen this. And I really like, again, this is why I don't like that it's gas-assisted, I really like the casualness of their relationship. And this is something we've seen with uh, Aaron and ScarJo before. The two of them are very comfortable together, and they've sort of, uh, they've gone from having this, you know, sexual tension-filled relationship to being just two people who genuinely enjoy their company and also have sex. Like, it's a very casual comfortable relationship which is something i find really enjoyable it's nice to have a romantic relationship that isn't all about the angst and the drama yes the two of them start going at it like crazed gophers and you know talon's guts yes but then they stop when john realizes that there's some sort of mist leaking out of talon and he goes to find crace and sees that it's also leaking up on command okay Okay, so I know we've talked about this before, but within the weird metaphorical family they've built, what's basically happening right now is that Talon is the kid and Aaron's his mom who lives inside of him and is having sex with his stepdad inside of him. That is accurate, yes. He's a ship. It's a thing. It's t- <sighs> that would be like <laughs> a giant woman living inside of her. I don't know. When you personify ships, things get weird. Yeah, but yes, I'm just saying. Talent should probably go to ship therapy or something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, everyone in the show should probably go to ship therapy or something. But yeah, John comes up to Chris and he's like, "Hey, so there's a gas that's being leaked, so." If you notice yourself acting really horny or whatever, just stay away from me and Aaron. And Grace is like, okay, look, I'm sure that the gas is not going to affect me the same way it's affecting you and Aaron. Otherwise, this would be like the Naked Time episode of Star Trek, and I don't think that's what's going on here. He also informs them that Rigel will be sidelined this episode because his deal is he can't stop eating. He just needs to eat and eat and eat. Yes, the gas that's leaking is something-something gas, which is making everyone be more themselves. An intense, concentrated version of themselves. So, John and Aaron are both still competent, you know, people, but they're also hornier than normal. As I said earlier, Grace is more fascisty than normal. Uh, Stark is more psychically out there than normal, and Rigel's eating a lot, so we don't have to deal with Rigel, which is nice. Yeah, Stark is hearing women call for him... For help more than usual. God, Stark's superpowers are so ill-defined. Also, really, really, really wish people would stop referring to him as a slave. Yeah, it's weird. I felt like we hadn't heard that for a, a while, but when, late late in the episode when Kreis calls him a Bannock slave, I'm like, no, he's not. He's just a Bannock guy. And also, in this episode, he says the name of what his 
religious sect thing? Yes, yes, it's called. And I don't feel like we've ever heard that before. It's weird that they that he didn't switch over to that. Anyway, Stark finds the source of the voice, and it is a a ghostly white woman. Yeah, the universe sure has a lot of white ladies in it, doesn't it? Yes. Like the bone vampire lady and Chiana and this Chiana's lady. Gray. I feel like we've seen a lot of women with, you know, painted white faces. I feel like that is something we have seen a lot of in this show. Right. There was also the woman in uh, Thank God It's Friday. Again. Again. And, yeah, no, this woman, though, I feel like is supposed to look like... Ghostly. Which she is. She's, Stark finds her and she's like, oh my god, you can see me! She's a little jellyfish-esque. Huh. Yeah, I can see that. She's got, like, the long curly hair that kind of has a jellyfish feel. And she's got, like, an outfit that has big bell sleeves. She's yeah. got kind of an... Like, she's she's very white, but there's kind of this pinkish tinge around her hair and, like, the ends of her face. Like, she, she has kind of a jellyfish quality to her, although obviously it's supposed to be more ghosty. Mm-hmm. She's like, nobody can see or hear me. I I was escaping my cruel master. He is, he is my savior. He is my captor. I was on a leviathan. Oh, my God. I love this lady so much. She speaks entirely in loudly whispered exposition. <laughs> she has so much exposition. Like, every sentence she says is exposition. I was on a, I was part of a crew on a leviathan, and then we were called into the sun, and he could, and he, he saved the leviathan, and he saved me, but he let everyone else die, and I am, I am his now, unless someone can save me. And start- she, she also says that she's been on many leviathans since then, but no one has been able to see her. And... I love how all in Stark is on this. He's like, I will save you, my lady. I have a noble heart and I can see the truth in the universe. And I see that you are a pure soul in need of saving. And I am the man who will save you for I am the true hero of this story. I'm like, dude, I am all in on Stark in this episode. (laughs) He's, as we said earlier, he's just constantly at an 11 and it works so well here. Stark should just be at an 11 all the time. I mean, he usually kind of is. This woman also expositions stuff that she couldn't even know that, uh, well, I mean, she she expositions stuff to us where she says, wait, we're in a pilot's den, but there's no pilot. So now we know that uh, Talon has grown a vestigial pilot's den, even though he doesn't have or need a pilot. Stark is like, so how did you get here if you were captured by someone? And she's like, I knished out of my zone. I was like, a knish is a, is a Jewish potato pastry. That's not... Don't... That's a bad word for you to make up for your sci-fi thing. I knished. <laughs> and, and Stark's like, okay, okay, so I don't understand what that word means. And she's like, I used psychic magic to float through space until I landed here. And Stark's like, oh, okay. I, I get, I know psychic magic. I, I get, I get it. Yeah. Uh, so I've never seen the movie Xanadu, but I feel like this woman is being shot as though she's in the movie Xanadu, like extreme close-ups with like glowing sets behind her. She should only be on roller skates. So over, over with the people who are not talking to the exposition ghost, a, a... 
lizardy guy shows up and he's like, you need my help. You need to give me control of your Leviathan or you're all going to die in the sun. And John's like, uh, I don't know. A, you don't seem to realize that this is only a uh, part Leviathan. Yeah, it's also part gunship and we can just like blast you. And he's like, I'm just trying to help you. I'm trying to give you the chance to escape. And John's like, I don't know. Coming aboard and being like, hey, give me your ship doesn't seem like you're offering to help us so much as robbing us politely. Also, you literally look like the devil, so... Yeah, that's not really a point in your favor. Yes, you you look like what the people on my planet think the son of all lies looks like, so... Yeah. He's, he's like if the devil got a really bad chemical peel. Oh my god. Yeah, that's that's right. So Grace runs up and he's like, is there someone I should shoot? I feel like I should shoot this guy. And Satan's like, no, no, no. Uh, I, I, I hang out outside of the siren star. And John's like, ugh. Okay, I feel like I need to point out that even as they're in like a showdown, John and Aaron are grinding on each other. <laughs> yeah, Aaron's just grinding on John, and John's grinding on Aaron, and he's like, I don't know why we should trust you, as he's just, like, moving his hips. It's wild. It's, 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 this is a wild episode. But Satan's like, look, I hang out near the Siren Star, and I try to rescue people who fall into it. I'm basically, like, a space lighthouse keeper. I know I look like Satan, but you shouldn't judge people based on their appearances. Please let me help you. And Chris is like... I'm going to shoot you in the goddamn face unless you get off my Leviathan right now. And uh, and John's like, wow, you need to calm down, Crace. And Crace is like, no, I am a soldier. This is what I do. And John's like, okay, well, what he does is live in a sun. So your puny ass blaster is like nothing. And by the way, as he says this, he is literally slipping his hand into Aaron's pants. Honestly, I just, I think it would be funnier if that just wasn't Cassis's did. I know, I know. And, and Chris is like, well, you get back to fixing the stuff you were fixing. And they're like, okay, let's go, uh, let's go back there and fix what we were fixing. So Ghost Lady is like, grind- speaking of grinding up on people, Ghost Lady is grinding up on, uh, Stark. on Stark. And she's like, no, it's McQuillis, which is Satan's name. Satan's name is McQuillis. McQuillis has come for me. He's not one of my species. He's a monster, but he's also my savior. He keeps me between life and death. And and Stark's like, hmm, okay. Stark's like, okay, well, I will go talk to Krace and we'll figure it out. And he goes to Krace and Krace, who is also being influenced by the gas, is like, I already know about McQuillis Stark. Did you bring me anything useful? And Stark's like, I don't know. No. He's like, we just need to go. We need to not be sucked into the star. <laughs> and, and Grace is like, thank you. Thank you. I didn't know we shouldn't fly into the star. That just, pff, my mind is completely blown, Stark. Not flying into the star. Did your psychic powers tell you that that would be a bad thing? Oh, and then the ghost lady is like, Stark, you have to save me. And he's like, ooh, this is awkward. The reason I can see you is because I can do dead stuff and you're already dead she's like i'm not dead i'm mostly dead and he's like no no you're all the way dead and she's like but you can see me you can touch me i'm real and he's like 
I'm a death priest. Stykara. Stykara. Have they not used that before? I thought they used it before. You know what? You're right. I think they have used it before. but I mean, not often. I just, I feel like we should have transitioned to calling him that instead of Vanek Slave. Especially because Zan was, like, they called Zan Pa'u in, like, every episode she was in. So you could call him whatever the death priest word is. I already forgot it. (laughs) But... But he's like, yeah, I can only, I can do that because you're a ghost. And if you want to, I, I can guide you into death and, you know, put you a piece. And she's like, couldn't you, like, not do that? Couldn't you just make me all the way alive? And he's like, yeah. It's kind of a one-way trip. That's not really how my powers work. So I love, I love self-aware genre savvy John in the conduit with Aaron being like, ah. I hate episodes where we're fighting godlike aliens. I like episodes where we're chasing down, like, vermin and, and like, animal-style monsters. And Aaron's like, hey, John. Hey, John. I know we're trying to fix this ship so we don't fly into the sun, but do you want to bone, like, real fast? And John's like, oh, I really, really do. She she takes his shirt in her teeth and is like... <laughs> I mean, it is... <laughs> It is both completely ridiculous and 100% what I expect Aaron to do. And then John's like, no, it's just the mist. And she's like, yeah, bad mist. And John's like, naughty Naughty mist. mist. (laughs) It's interesting. I, I, I guess Aaron's probably picked it up by now, but Aaron's using a lot of sexy earth stuff. Oh, yeah. I think she's definitely picking up a lot of John's pop culture stuff now. So we cut to, uh, in, you know, in in every day some rain must fall, or however the expression goes. We we cut to a Rigel scene where Stark comes up and he's like, "Hey, Rigel, can you see this dead lady I've got with me?" And Rigel's like, "No." Did you go more crazy? You're a crazy person, crazy person. And Stark's like, "Why did I think talking to you was a good idea?" Well, he did this to prove to her that no one else can see her. He's like, "See, I told you." Which? Why was this a necessary thing? She already told him that no one else could see him. You think he could just remind her that the only person who can see or interact with her is a death priest. Well, she hadn't taken corporeal form until she saw Stark. So she thinks that basically he has brought her back when in fact she's just taken corporeal form as far as he's concerned. Yeah, but we get another like pan in wind blowing in her hair Xanadu shot of her and then in the background Rigel's just like stuffing his three stomachs full because that's his deal and then Stark starts like nuzzling her and you know holding her and we cut to Rigel just watching Stark air humping the air and he's like mmm okay I guess this is what happens when inhibition removing gas hits death priests (laughs) They just start yep. ghost humping. So Stark and the ghost are going down the corridor and the devil appears and is like, okay, time to go home. And he's like, she's like, I don't want to go with you. And he's like, well, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here because this, this Leviathan is flying into the sun. So it's going to fly into the sun and then I'm just going to pull your ghost back to live with me in my sun room. Yes. And Stark Stark is the uh, brave Knight riding to her rescue, and he's like, I will I will guide your ass into death, Satan. So help me God, I will take off my mask, and I will suck your ass into death. And uh, the ghost lady's like, no, you can't fight him. He's too powerful. But also, she says that she's going to stay, just stay with Stark forever. And 
You know what? If you're a ghost and only one person can see you, but you get along with them, yeah, it's not a bad idea. Yeah. So Satan hell teleports. Heliports. Oh, he heliports. But oh my god, it is a charmed ass like. He's consumed by fire, and he's like, I'll see you in a little bit after this guy dies. Then we get more John and Aaron uh, sexually repairing the conduit. And by the way, they say they love each other, which I know they've said before, but it's great. She's like, I'm almost done. I'm close. He's like, you're close. She's like, so close. And he's like, oh, I love you. And it turns out that she's talking about repairing the conduit, but also as soon as it's repaired, they immediately start humping. Like, I feel like there was wire work involved in the way she jumped up on him. Like, it does not look like a thing a human can do. Yeah, she slams him and she, like, flies through the air. She's like (laughs) a sex vampire just jumping on him. Yep. Whoosh! But then they have to go back to the bridge because, you know, Talon's still flying into the sun. Yes, Talon is like... You know, having his mom and stepdad have sex inside of him is probably not helping with this. And the ghost is like, oh no, you'll all die. You have to get out of here. And Stark's like, no, no, I will save you. I will save the ship. I've got this under control. Okay, so when we were watching this episode. Yeah. I I, I had you pause it so I could play a clip from Scary Movie 3. Where Simon Rex's uh, character tells his niece that her teacher just died. You can look this clip up on YouTube. Just do like scary movie three dead teacher or whatever. Like you should look up the clip because this is the, I don't want to spoil it, but this is the energy that, that Stark has throughout the whole episode. I have to imagine just do, the sound people must have had so much trouble because he's basically screaming all of his lines. Oh, I I know, I know. I'm I'm watching our own uh uh feedback thing while we're recording and seeing how bad it is just us explaining what Stark is doing. <laughs> oh, so yeah, Talon is being sucked into the sun, and Crace is like. You will not get sucked into the sun. I am your captain. And he's all like, Aaron, I am your captain. And they're like, no, you're not. No, you're not. You stole it. You're a pirate. You stole a ship. Yeah, you have literally no authority. And he's like, mm-hmm. I will court-martial all of you. And John Aaron are like, oh, my God. Ugh. And then Stark is like, What's the most extreme thing I could possibly do? I know. I'll climb into the pilot chair and like the pilots, you'll remember pilots like tentacles go way down into Leviathans and they're like bonded to each other. And he's just going to stick his legs in there and Talon's just going to grab on and pull him down and like connect to him. Even though he is not of the pilot species and he does not have the brain capacity to do this. Hey, people with very, very, very specific fetishes, this episode's for you. Bunch of tentacles wrap themselves around Stark and pull him into Talon's brain hole. And then he starts kind of like floating with the talons wrapped around his legs. And he's like, I am the ship now. I am Talon. Yeah, I guess Talon's plugged into his lower extremities. I mean, he the tentacles appear to be going almost all the way up to his nipples. So I don't know where he's plugged into. 
Also, Assu- uh, uh, we can just assume that they're attached at some orifice in the lower part of his body. I'm not going to think too much about it. Um, He's an alien, it's fine. I'm also going to assume that the reason that Stark doesn't die doing this is because Talon is young. And so, like, he he's not... His brain isn't fully developed enough to, like, kill a human, or a Bannock who tries to connect to him like this. I mean, also, I, I know he's not a pilot or whatever, but he does have that weird energy field thing where he got exploded and then they managed to reconstitute him oh, just yeah. by pulling that energy back. You know, I wasn't even thinking about that, but yeah, okay, you're right. The way that Stark exists is not actually a physical form he's like a vibrate i mean we, we all are but he's just like a vibration of energies yeah like his meat suit is just something he formed so he can like pick stuff up yeah okay okay so yeah i guess of all of the people there other than aaron he's probably the one who could most do this aaron of course still having some pilot dna in hers would probably be best suited for this although Chris wants to do it because he already has kind of a connection except his connection gets cut off when stark does this yeah which is interesting anyway they they, they they're flying away from the sun now but then the ghost lady disappears and he's all he's all jack from lost he's all we have to go back we have to fly back into the sun so i can save my ghost girlfriend that none of you can see and then there's this, like, CGI shot of the ship doing, like, a sharp turnaround. <laughs> boop! 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 Was, it, was that the ship backing up noise? Yeah. Oh. John is like, everyone needs to calm the fuck down! Everyone right now is at, like, a 12! I need you at, like, a 6! Because Chris is screaming at Stark, he's like, I'm going to have you court-martialed, and I'm going to have you demoted, and I'm going to have you thrown in the brig, and Stark's like, why do you hate love? Also, he's, he's, he's like bulging out his eye. <laughs> and he and he's moving because he's on tentacles, so he's kind of like floating through the air, screaming. I love this scene so much. <laughs> oh... Yeah, and then, of course, Crace says that even though Talon doesn't need a pilot anymore, this is, like, a vestigial pilot's den, you know, like, the human, uh... Appendix. Appendix. And they're gonna go down, they're gonna go down to the den and try to override because, uh... Crace is, rather. And Aaron and John are gonna go up to where the manual controls are and try to... Basically, Crace is going to try to unplug Stark, and John and Aaron are going to try to manually drive the ship. Have you tried turning it on and then off again? <laughs> that's that's basically what they're doing. And uh, John's like, hey, Stark, can you not fly into the sun? And Stark's like, I'm sorry, John, I can't really do that. Like, I, I'm, I was, A... I'm not a pilot. I wasn't really built to do, like, maneuvers, like, turning around, except for that one time I did earlier. Well, John shoots out the steering conduit, so now Stark can't steer. Thanks, John. Useful. Well, no, because he's going to manually steer. Hmm. Apparently that still works. But uh, Stark does have control of the DRDs, so he's sending the DRDs after John, and I swear, Aaron is like, okay, but let's have sex real quick before we go fix this. I feel like we haven't really had this in a while. Early episodes of Farscape were weird. Hornier? Oh, no, not not hornier per se, but we talked a lot early on about how 
the show kind of flipped the female gaze thing to be on John. There were a lot of shots of uh, Ben Browder's rear end framed front and center in very tight pants early on. Yep. It feels like it's been kind of a while since we've had that, but this episode really, it has a shot of Aaron's hand, you know, lingering, tracing its way around Ben Browder's... uh, Well-formed ass? Yes, which is cased in... Leather? Yeah, or whatever material it is. It's a very, very uh, sensual shot. It's not one I think I've seen on TV before, that it's just it's just a rear end in the middle of the screen with a hand groping it for several seconds. It's TV was a was a was a different place back then, but and I know Farscape is kind of more soft core than a lot of uh sci-fi but that just struck me as i'm kind of surprised that shot made it into the episode it's a pretty horny shot well and then aaron from that position shoots the drd that's coming after them and john's like thanks for watching my backside she's like my My pleasure pleasure. (laughs) oh these two so having gotten rid of the drd thing john's like well it looks like we've got some time and then Aaron lowers herself down onto John and she's like, <laughs> well, so it's funny because they were sitting back to back, like to protect each other from more DRDs coming. And it's like, Aaron has realized that, oh, if I straddle him, we're doing the same thing. We're watching each other's back, but also I'm straddling him. I really like this turn of phrase because John's like, Aaron, this is just the mist talking. And she's like, well, I like what it's saying. Oh, so sweet. Even though it's, like, super horny. It's super horny and super wholesome. Yes. I, I really do like the, even though this is a, a you know, a, a gas that's making them do this, that it makes it clear that this is, as you said, an inhibition-lowering gas, not a gas that, like, is mind-controlling. So, this is all them. This is what they want to do. So, I really like, I know this isn't our Charm podcast, so I, sh- I shouldn't do the Buffy reference, but... Don't worry, Xander. I believe that I can control the uh, the van by by gesturing emphatically. <laughs> oh yeah, from the dream sequence from, from yeah. the dream episode. But uh, yeah, Stark is guiding the ship by just kind of swaying his hands from side to side. Which one of the things I feel like is kind of underutilized about telekinesis and media. I, I know usually telekinesis is a thing in like uh, comic books, but. I really like in media when people who are using telekinesis don't just put their hands on their temples, but when they, like, look like they're orchestrating stuff. Mm-hmm. I really like that as kind of a visual shorthand, and I really enjoy it here, where Stark is guiding the ship by, like, pushing inside it. Yes. It almost looks like he's conducting an orchestra. Yeah. And the ghost lady comes back, and she's like, you were free! And he's like, but I had to come back for you. And she's like, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> And then they, like, press their hands together, and even though there's not glass between them, it really, really reminds me of the scene from the end of Star Trek II where Spock dies with, you know, Kirk on the other side of the glass. Yeah. And she's like, I'm ready now! And he... Show me death! And he's like, okay! And he uh, he opens up his eye and uh, tries to suck her in, but no doing. Because it turns out that when Satan doesn't want you to die, you don't die. Yep. Yeah, apparently Satan has some sci-fi bullshit, like, life force containing thimbles that he wears that stop her from dying all the way. 
She's like, I haven't moved on. And he's like, I swear this has never happened to me before. <sighs> then we get it. Then we check in with Rigel, who's still eating. And when Crace comes in, he's like, oh my God, please shoot me. I can't stop eating. And I feel really sick right now. I have three stomachs and they're going to explode if you don't stop me from eating. And Crace is like, I really, really don't care about whatever dumb comedic subplot you're doing. Look, I I'm in full fascist mode, so don't make me throw you out of an airlock. And Rigel's like, please throw me out of an airlock. I want to die. I can't stop eating. And Chris is like, well, now I'm not going to kill you because you want me to. Right. I've, maybe not being a fascist, maybe being a dick is his, uh... Well, he says that Stark has mutinied, which is like, well, no, because that implies a lot of, a lot of official relationships that don't exist right now. Mm. And he, he's screaming at, uh, he's screaming at Rigel about being his captain, and Rigel's like, I mean, but you're not. That's not how any of this works. He's like, I am your captain! And Rigel's like, uh-huh. You know how you said the mist wasn't affecting you? <laughs> wah, wah. But since, since, uh, since Crace is pointing a blaster at Rigel, he finally gives in and he says, as you wish. And then he bites him. It seems like it's been a while since we've seen Rigel bite someone like this. And it's, it's ridiculous too. He's like, before I do though. I want to tell you a secret. Come close. <laughs> it's kind of like when Aaron flew at John, but not sexy, unless you're, unless you have a very, very specific fetish, which no judgment. Yeah. The judgment free zone. So Satan shows up in the pilot's den and is like, all right, go away. I'm going to take her. We're going to go. And... He's like, no, I'm just going to keep trying to help her cross over. And he's like, I'm holding her from crossing over. My power. And you had your chance to escape. And now you will all die. And I'll still have her soul. And, and Stark's like, no, I will stop you. I will save her. But the ghost girl is like, no, you can't take me. Just let them go. And he's like. They are already flying into the sun. Yeah, like... I don't know what you... I don't know what you think you have to negotiate with. Yeah, I'm gonna get what I... I don't need to let them go. I'm gonna get what I want. Uh, you have literally no bargaining chip here. Right? He's like, I, you're already stuck with me because I'm using my power to keep you from crossing over. And also, like, they're flying into the sun, so... The end! And he starts teleporting away with her. And Stark's like, no! Skurgina! No! And then he's like, oh wait, Talon, don't fly into the sun! Right, right, that's what we were doing. Oh. Don't fly into the sun. Crace is losing it in the hallway. He's like, Stark! How dare you! And Stark's like, yo, I am so sorry. I just realized I have killed us all. Folks, seriously, my bad. Yep. Stark's like, um, I think we all just need to accept the fact that we're gonna die and, uh, see you on the other side! Alright, everyone, bend over and kiss your ass goodbye. John and Aaron actually stop making out to, like, oh man, we have to deal with this now. <laughs> and then they come, when we come back from the commercial break, they're making out again. <laughs> yeah, I guess they decided that that was the way they wanted to go, and you know what? Fair. Respect. You know, you think, uh, they'd be suffering from that whole sebation heat thing more, given that they're flying into a sun, but whatever. Oh, I guess the ship is still keeping things cool. 
That's considerate of Talon. Yeah. Anyway, Aaron's like, wait a second, I just realized that another part of my character, in addition to being super horny for you, is that I do not give up! And I'm giving up, so no, that's bad. I am gonna go save us. And then we will come back, and we will fuck when I come back. And he's like, yes! Love this plan! And then they kiss again. And then they both run off to Do save stuff. the ship. I love how Grace is having this meltdown because Talon's not listening to him. And yeah, he's trying to get into the pilot's den, but the door is locked and he can't get in. And he's he's when Aaron gets there, he's like, give me your gun so I can shoot my way in. And she goes, perhaps not. <laughs> and then he pulls a gun on her and she literally rolls her eyes at him. She's like... No. And and he's like, I am your captain. I order you. And she just kind of turns around and walks away. She's like, yeah, I, I, I'm not dealing with this. This is not a helpful situation. Honestly, it's like, uh, Craze, if you wanted to be her captain, maybe you shouldn't have had her declared irreversibly contaminated. So John's come to yell Stark out of flying them into the sun. Stark's like, eh, and he's like, come on. You, you remember how you had a giant boner for Xan? Well, Aaron is my Zan, and I would rather not watch her burn to death the way you watch Zan burn to death. Except not really, you were just psychically connected with her when she did. Although, honestly, like, I I feel like this was a risk on John's part to bring up Zan. I feel like Stark was just as likely to... Oh, right, I get to see Zan again if I die. <laughs> yeah, right? But... Stark's like, oh my god, John, I'm so sorry. I didn't know you were horny for Aaron. I'll stop us from flying into the sun right away. Seriously, my bad. I kind of thought that it wasn't Stark flying them into the sun because he was... Like, I thought he he couldn't stop them from doing it, but I guess he can. No, 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 he can't. He can't stop them. But uh, John is trying to get Stark to give up control so that John can do shit manually from the consoles. And, of, and part of the mist is that it makes them give up. So that's why he's all like, no, no, I've accepted it. We're flying into the sun. There's nothing to be done. This is very specific mist. It, it is very. Well, it's a siren mist. So, yeah. So they, uh. <laughs> so John and Aaron both meet up at the control panel and, uh. And John's like, I got Stark to give up control. And Aaron's like, ooh, so I'm in control. And John's like, oh, I love it when you're in control. And he starts pressing her up against the control panel and grinding on her. And uh, he he says, he says, she says, I love it when you take control. And he says, that's the mist talking. And she says, no, it's not. And I, they're so cute. So they're talking about getting out of the you know, the situation through blah, blah, techno babble, whatever, but they're all like, ooh, I'm going to shoot a throbbing pulse of energy right down the Flimmerkderbergder corridor. Oh, and it's going to be so tight, but it's going to work for getting us out of this situation. Aaron's like, I'm going to manually prime the cannon. And then Stark is like, would Zan approve of us using violence right now? And first of all, yes, she would. We've all met Zan. But also, Aaron's like, yeah, Zan's speaking to me right now. She said it's cool. Let's go. I mean, Zan is basically dial uh, M for sex murder the person. Oh. Anyway, the alien is all like, you will never get away. You will never escape me, the Satan alien. And John is like, why do all alien god creatures talk the same it's so boring and he, he points out like 
yeah, like you telling us that it's not working doesn't change the fact that it very obviously is. I mean, also, duh. you coming here and saying it's not working makes us know that it is. Like, if it wasn't working, why would you show up on our ship to tell us that it's not working? And he's like, uh, so do you want to make a deal? Like, if you fly into the sun, I'll give you this shiny dollar. <laughs> Yeah, well, he he basically, he's like, uh, I'll let you go. And they're like, mm, I think the fact that you're willing to let us go means that you are also, losing. Also, we're already going. Like, it's that we're, we're flipping the script on you from when you were talking to that ghost lady who is apparently real. Like, you're bargaining with something we already have. Come on. Yeah. So they blow up the sun. They, they basically blow up the sun, which is his, like, whole energy comes from the sun. So he, he turns to ice stone and melt shatters. crumbles. Yeah, it's as you said before, a very charmed effect. It is a very charmed effect, but now that he is kerploded, uh, the ghost lady can finally go into the sweet beyond. Yeah, Stark's not going to waste a single second guiding her to death. Yes, Stark whips off his face mask, and he's like. If you see a blue lady named Zan, tell her I'm still horny for her. <laughs> and we just kind of hold on his face after he sucks her into his mask. He's like, mm, yeah. Yep. Welp! So, yeah, everybody is kind of decompressing now. Stark, literally, because he is connected to this ship in, like, a very intimate way. And Crace is having to cut him free. And Crace is like, this was really stupid of you to jump into the thing like this it's not designed for you and also no bad and Stark's like so i was connected to town's brain and i kind of figured out what he actually thinks of you and uh and and chris is like if you tell anyone of your delusions because you know you're you're crazy you're a super crazy bonkers man so whatever you think you felt you didn't actually feel and if you tell anyone about it i'll kill you and Stark's like, like, I'm a death priest. Come on, dude. Right? You're going to threaten me with death? Ooh, scary. Do you not remember that I got blown up and, like, sent as an, as, like, dispersed his energy to all corners of the universe and then pulled myself back together? Actually, I think the line is kind of badass. He says, if you slip my throat, I will still know. That is a badass line. Uh, anyway, uh, Rigel is, like, sick because he's so full of food. And Aaron's like, okay, also you ate all the food, so when we land on a planet, you have to go get more food. And, uh, Raj's like, don't talk to me about food. I'm gonna go expel things from all of my orifices. And Aaron's like, god, you're the worst. <laughs> yeah, but then John comes over and, yeah. Aaron lets him know that Talon is recovering because he is a remarkable vessel. He's, he's the baddest little dude in the universe. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, John says he's got the DRDs working, fixing all the things that need to be worked on, and, uh, huh. Yeah, and and they kind of talk, they're like, look, I know that what happened was under the influence of gas or whatever, but I like you and you like me, and we were already having sex, we already, you know, talked about our feelings, so let's not be weird about it, right? Do you want to not be weird about the fact that we were boning all the time? And Aaron's like, no. In fact, I want to just keep boning all the time. No gas necessary. Yep. And then they start boning, right? You know, in the heart of the ship. And well, she hits it, She hits the button to lock the doors first. 
I really like this episode, which is weird because it had so much stuff I don't like in Farscape, but this was an incredibly enjoyable episode. Yeah, well, I think part of what made this episode so enjoyable is that um, everyone understood the assignment. Mm. Everyone was like, we just need to go and uh, give it everything we have. Our, our next episode for the next episode is going to be Scratch and Sniff. Mm. And Crichton, Dargo, Chiana, and Jewel alight on a pleasure planet, only to find that the pleasure has a deadly cost. Okay. I'm just saying, pleasure planet episodes of sci-fi are usually fun. Anyway! Anyway. That's the end of this episode. Yeah, I really enjoyed this episode. And I think that brings us to our segments. Alright, our first segment, I believe, is, uh... A Distant Part of the Universe. Which is what world building worked for you in this episode. Okay, like, I know this was just another we need X to be in danger, but I, I honestly really like the idea of a siren star. Yeah. I like the idea of basically a reverse lighthouse. Like, something that draws you into danger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess I, like I a lanternfish lantern. And and I like, I like when... Um, these siren stars or, you know, whatever the sci-fi or fantasy creation is. I like when they kind of rely on the psychology of the people being drawn in, as this one does. I mean, honestly, my favorite sci-fi stuff is just very thinly coated fantasy tropes. Painted over which I know is all sci-fi. All sci-fi is just fantasy, but with techno babble instead of magic. But Yeah, well, I mean, this episode, the siren star, that could be a fantasy element. Like, that's definitely... And, and uh, there's no there's no attempt to explain it with science either. It just draws you in. That's what it does. Well, it draws in leviathans. Yeah. It doesn't even give you a good reason why. Nope. It just... It's a thing it does. Yep. I liked... Uh, I liked the way Stark was able to plug himself into Talon, even though, like, that's that part is not made for him. Like, he was still able to adapt into it. it that really opens up the world of leviathans. Like... If theoretically you could get some sort of adapter cable and plug in things other than pilots, that, mm. like, that's a game changer. So, yeah, I like that. And, yeah. I think that'll probably bring us to our second segment. Yes, our second segment is Strange Alien Creatures, which is what puppetry or makeup alien designs worked for you. Honestly, I like both of the uh, alien designs here. I like the guy who looked like basically just really, really burned up Satan. Mm-hmm. I mean, he looked more buffy, demony than alieny, but whatever. Well, I mean, he was—he was really supposed to look like Satan. This episode was meant to be kind of loosely, uh, the Persephone in Hell story. Real loosely. So it makes sense that like he was Satany. And I like the ghost lady too. I mean, the both of the designs were good. They were very evocative of what you were supposed to get out of these characters just by looking at them. Like, you could tell everything about these characters just by looking at them, which is a nice... Uh, some people... Some people might say it's lazy or, you know, relying on bad tropes, you know, ugly people bad, beautiful people good. But this isn't exactly that. You really get a sense of these characters just from their physical appearance, which is nice. No, yeah, what I liked about uh, the ghost was that even when she was corporeal her design made it clear that she was a ghost. She had a ghostly design. Yeah. Yeah. And our final segment is 
the wonders that I've seen, which is what worked for you emotionally this episode? Honestly, like, everything was hitting on all cylinders this episode. I really... I know it's it's the la- it's the lazy thing. It's it's Aaron and John's relationship, but God, I love how naturally they fit together this episode. I love how they worked under the uh, even under the influence of the gas. How well they worked together. Just the chemistry between these two. It was so good. Yeah, no, John and Aaron were so in sync this episode, and that always makes me happy. I love them so much. But I feel like the real MVP of this episode is Stark, because he's mostly been used as really bad comic relief the past few episodes. And Stark is someone who has a lot of very big emotions. He's someone who only plays on the extremes, and having him... Having him try to step into a hero role when he sees someone he thinks he he can save is really nice, especially because he's been very subservient to John. Mm, Yes. He's kind of been dedicating his life to John because John was the one who saved him. Well, and he brought up in this episode, we didn't talk about it, but he mentions to John that when they first met... Stark failed. Stark didn't save John from the Aurora chair, and Stark didn't keep him from getting the chip uh, implanted, which he had wanted to do, he had tried to do. So Stark considers everything that John is going through, like emotionally, all of his PTSD, Stark considers that his fault, we find out. Honestly, this is sort of Stark stepping into a hero role this episode really works with how badly he needs a win, Mm. because... He's as he brought up in this episode. He's constantly failed John. He failed Zan when she needed him most, and he didn't mention it, but he accidentally caused a genocide that one time. Yep, different destinations. Man, that episode. Whew. So I believe that'll about do it for this week. I think that does it for this week. Our show is partially listener supported. If you want to be one of the supporters, you should head over to our website www.welcometotelevision.net and click on our Patreon link. We'd like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Rosa, Ryan, Maracruz, Benjamin, Kate, Jen, and Dan. If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you could always rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find the show. If you want to talk about this episode, or any episode, or any episode of any television show, you should join our Facebook group, Welcome to Television. We can also be contacted at I Love TV Zines on Twitter, or at I Love Television Zines at gmail.com. So until next time, I'm Tina. And I'm Max. And this has been Welcome to the Uncharted Territories. <laughs> <laughs>